You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer. And today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will play professional football, but instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Before we get started, we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and I also write for the LA Football Network covering the Chargers, and we together have been covering the Chargers for over five seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly, and now this is our third season as a host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, we've been recapping last weekend's game, so it only makes sense that today we're going to be getting into your guys' fan voicemail reactions, and we have a lot of voicemails to get into. We'll talk about if this is the last week that we trust Michael Badgley or if he's going to struggle again this week, if we think he should be gone. We'll be talking about what it's going to be like to face Melvin Gordon and much more. But first, we're going to start with the news that CBS Sports has come out with the biggest differences between Justin Herbert when he was at Oregon and the Justin Herbert we have now with the Chargers. But let's go ahead and get into it. CBS Sports has come out with an article comparing the biggest differences between Justin Herbert at Oregon and now Justin Herbert with the Chargers. This is Daniel Wade joined by David Drogemeyer with your Locked on Chargers lead story. There have been many articles that have come out talking about why so many draft critics got it wrong with Justin Herbert who through his first five games has looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, let alone one of the best quarterbacks in a really loaded draft class. But Chris Chaprasso from CBS Sports has come out with an article titled Chargers Unleash Justin Herbert. Here's why rookie quarterback has looked better in the NFL than he did at Oregon. And this was really interesting to look at, David, because you can tell that there's obviously some different philosophies. And even though the Chargers have brought along some stuff that Justin Herbert was familiar with in college, it has changed a lot. But really the biggest thing and the reason they've been able to find so much success with Justin Herbert is when they are running and when they are passing and setting him up in situations that are usually running situations, letting him throw the ball and getting better looks on the defense. So when you look at these numbers, I mean, we know Justin Herbert has been good, but this definitely lends itself to the play calling that Shane Steichen has been able to incorporate to try to get the most out of his rookie quarterback. Yeah, if you look at the numbers here in this article, it definitely indicates that Oregon put a lot of constraints on Justin Herbert, and it seemed like they were very content to run the football a lot and really not put him into a lot of positions to where he'd have to go win football games by himself. So if you look at the 2019 Oregon Ducks offense, on first down, they ran the ball 61% of the time. On second down, even 43% of the time. Even on third and long, when you know that's a typical passing down, they're still running the ball 20.9% of the time, which is crazy. Now, you look at the Chargers in the 2020 offense with Justin Herbert at the helm. On first down, they have a mix at 54.4% run. 
Uh, and then on third and long, you see them only running the ball 6.4% of the time. So the numbers would indicate that the Chargers are definitely giving Justin Herbert more of an opportunity on third downs to get them into a first down situation and throw the football. And, you know, the Chargers have been rewarded for that faith. Because if you look at the numbers on third and long, he has been absolutely phenomenal. 11.93 yards per attempt, five touchdowns, no interceptions, and 150.3 quarterback rating, which according to the article is currently the highest in the NFL. So very impressive numbers by Justin Herbert on third down and kudos to the Chargers for realizing that throwing the football and putting the ball in Justin Herbert's hands was going to yield some more success than putting it in a running back's hand and running the football. And I think with a lot of young quarterbacks, what you'll see from head coaches is given that situation, you know, third and 15, they're probably not going to let that quarterback throw it downfield and try to go for the first down. You're either going to do a draw play or you're going to throw a quick wide receiver screen. And the Chargers haven't really done that with Herbert and it's gotten better every week and they've given him a little bit more. But loosening up those reins has done nothing but keep Justin Herbert excelling in this league. And it's been impressive to watch. And really one of the things that I thought was super impressive so far was his composure, especially under pressure. And he's been one of the better quarterbacks under pressure so far. But in this article, they're really saying that a lot of analytics people think that a clean pocket is where you actually get the best judge of what a quarterback is going to do. What he does when he's not under pressure is something that's actually more sustainable. But when you look at the numbers, David, it doesn't matter whether he's in a clean pocket or if he's under pressure. It just seems like in every situation he's finding success. Yeah, I mean, obviously, looking at it logically, you know, for a quarterback, you want to have him in a clean pocket as much as humanly possible. But, you know, it is good to know that Justin Herbert is going to perform when there's pressure in his face. But when there isn't pressure in his face, is he going to make the right decision? The numbers back up the fact that he does make the right decision a lot of the time in that situation as well. In those situations when he has had a clean pocket, he has an 82% accuracy rating, 8.8 yards per attempt with 7 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio, which is phenomenal, and also a very impressive 112.1 passer rating, which is good for 13th in those such situations. And, you know, just in case you were wondering if he does well under pressure, we talked about it a little bit before, he does do very, very well. Under pressure, Justin Herbert is currently tied for 12th in accuracy percentage while under pressure at 70.7 and his under pressure rating is 100.9 which ranks third in the NFL not third amongst rookies third in the entire NFL so Justin Herbert if you have a clean pocket is performing well under pressure he is performing well Justin Herbert is definitely got a great skill set and it seems like the the Chargers have hit on their quarterback of the future And it definitely seems like Oregon didn't really try to get the most out of Justin Herbert. As it said in the article, they were fine with being able to run the ball and play solid defense instead of just putting it in Justin Herbert's hands and letting him 
make a play, but we can see now that that was absolutely the wrong decision, even though they went 12-2 and and went to a Rose Bowl. We are now seeing how explosive Justin Herbert can be, and I think that's the biggest thing that pops out to me the most is not just the completion percentage or the passer rating, it's just the explosive plays he's been able to make, and the more they've opened it up for him, the more downfield throws he's made. He has the most 20-plus yard passing touchdowns in the NFL, tied with Russell Wilson, so he's been absolutely dynamic for the Chargers so far, and we'll see how he performs as he keeps getting a little bit more control of this offense. But we do have two more segments to get into because we are getting into some fan voicemails. So we're going to be getting into a recap of last weekend's game and how excited we are to watch the Chargers go up against Melvin Gordon. And if that's going to make it worse, if they lose, coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that if you need any kind of auto part, there's only one place to go, and that is rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer when you can just get it in a few easy clicks with rockauto.com and search from the biggest inventory that you're going to find. Chain stores have a different price tier for every different kind of person, whether you're a professional mechanic or a do-it-yourselfer. Not with rockauto.com, you are going to get the same price as everybody else, and you know you're going to be getting the best price too. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, guys. Well, let me just start by saying there was a different vibe to the voicemails this week. I mean, definitely more positive. We still had you guys calling in, so that was exciting. But I was just excited to hear the different energy that was coming from these voicemails. You know, we're still firing coaches sometimes, but it's less of just, you know, everything sucks, everything's bad. Winning will do, huh? Winning cures a lot of things, and definitely, I mean, we understand it too, you know, I mean, the Chargers create ways to lose, and there's only so long you can stay sane trying to root for a team that does everything they can to break your heart, and it looked like they were going to again, but let's get in, let's go ahead and get into these voicemails. If you guys don't know the number, it's 323-524-7924, and if you call that, leave a voicemail. We try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show, but this is Justin from Western Kentucky. Let's hear what he has for us. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Justin from Western Kentucky. I got a quick question for you guys. Um, I know everyone's wanting uh, Anthony Lynn gone at this point, and honestly, I'm kind of in that same boat. Um, my question is, like, if they were to go ahead and get rid of Anthony Lynn, which honestly, I don't want them to get rid of him right now. I kind of want them to wait until the end of the season, because, like, right now, you put in the chance for promoting, like, Gus Bradley or Shane Steichen up, and you know, if they win two or three games, they're probably already going to go ahead and win that head coaching job. So I'd like to see him leave at the end of the season. So this way it kind of gives us a chance to bring in, like, a whole new administration. But, like, who would you guys like to see like, kind of fill in that role? Would you, like, like to see the Chargers go after someone like uh, Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, who does have the connection with the Chargers? Or would you like to see him, like, go after, like, one of these college coaches like Dan Mullen out of Florida and just kind of, like, bring new life into Charger franchise. And another quick comment is, like, do you guys also think it's time to cash out on the Badgley? Like, you look at this, like, I like him, but, like, I don't know. Last few games, he's kind of cost us a lot of uh, field goals and extra points, and especially when you're in one point or one possession games, like, that's crucial. And honestly, I'm, I'm in the camp of just letting him go at this point. But let me know what you guys think. 
So I think we've already covered a lot of the Michael Boundary stuff, and we'll get a little bit more into that later. But I do want to focus on the big thing here, David, which is if the Chargers decide to let Anthony Lingo after the season. And I totally understand for a sidebar that if, you know, Shane Steichen or Gus Bradley could get in there, win a couple games, and then the front office gets enamored with them and they stick around. So I understand not wanting that to happen. But when you're looking at a professional coach like Eric Bieniemy or a college guy like Dan Mullen, where would you go if you were the Chargers trying to get a fresh start? I mean, I tend to lean more for the professional side. I mean, it does seem like they have had some success with the college coaches the young guys transferring over, you know, like the head coach, you know, Matt Rule coming over from Baylor. That seemed like it's been a decent addition. But absolutely, you know, those are coaches and decisions that are a long undertaking. And a lot of the times these guys have some connection, you know, in the front office, you know, between these guys, you know, you got to have some familiarity there. So, you know, that's why I think it's important that, you know, if the Chargers do look at another head coach, that I think they stay on the professional side. I think Eric Bieniemy is the definitely the biggest, the hottest NFL coaching name out there. It seems like he is ripe for the pickings. He is going to have an NFL coaching job sooner rather than later. And I would love to see the former Charger, yes, that's right, former Charger, be the head coach of the Chargers. But hey, we'll see. And also, you know, it's way too early to even honestly talk about this because. I don't think that even if the Chargers lose every game, you know, God forbid that happens. I don't see that hap- that Anthony Lynn's going to get fired. I-, I think the vote of a confidence there, it, it, they would have to be a- an absolutely disastrous end to this season for that to happen. I just don't feel like it's going to happen at all. Yeah, I like Eric Bieniemy a lot too. And Matt Rule, I feel like he's kind of an outlier because he took a program with Baylor that was absolutely, I mean, in trouble, you know, with the law and actually turned that around and changed the culture there. And I think it's a lot different than going for someone like Nick Saban or Dabo Swinney that can just bring in as much talent as they want based on their, you know, former successes. So I think that is the outlier. I'm not really sure if I want somebody like Lincoln Riley or someone like that. Even though it's interesting, I would definitely stick with someone like Eric Bieniemy. And my thought process by going with an offensive guy is I think having a good offensive-minded head coach is easier to find a good defensive coordinator to go under you instead of a defensive coordinator head coach trying to find a good offensive mind for the sideline. So I think if, you know, look at somewhere like the 49ers where you have Kyle Shanahan as the head coach and then you have Robert Sala as their defensive coordinator, that seems like it's working out pretty well and they've had a ton of injuries so far this season too. So that's the way I would go. But let's get into Zach from Florida here who has another question for us this week. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey guys, Zach from Florida here. So I just finished watching the game and I am happy that we got the win, but we should have done so much better in this game. And while Herbert had a great game, there he still needs to watch the overthrows. But mostly, I think we gave up too many points from Jacksonville. We should not have let them get double-digit score at all. And then my last point is Batchelay. He needs to greatly improve next week, or he should be cut, in my opinion. Second straight game with a missed extra point and a missed field goal is not going to cut it for this team. Next week we play the Broncos, and I think we can hopefully win that game, but hopefully it's a better performance than this game. Just wanted to give my thoughts on the game and bolt up. 
All right, so we will get back into Michael Badgley, and I think it's a good question, David, and I do want to say first that, Zach, we have another call from you about Melvin Gordon, and somebody else has a similar call, so I wanted to get this one in for you, but if Michael Badgley goes and misses an extra point and a field goal, let's say this weekend, no matter what the score is, do you think he has to be gone by Monday? Does he have to be gone by Monday? I mean, according to how Anthony Lynn's been answering questions about Michael Badgley, I don't think that would happen in in the event. But uh, from a business standpoint, you know, just no attachment. Yes, I, I think you have to start let start definitely seriously thinking about letting him go because these are impacting the result of games, whether you win or lose, and that's got to stop. I mean, we we know what to expect out of a kicker. They have a, just a few few duties and making extra points and field goals is paramount among them yeah i would agree with the fact that i mean at least if that happens next week you better at least bring somebody in and see if what you can bring in is better than what you have because i think we've seen stuff even coming out of training camp with michael badger struggling there so it doesn't seem like it's just something that has happened recently seems like it's been going on for a long time now. And I just think if it happens again this weekend, especially if it's a game-altering type of performance by Michael Badgley, I don't know how if you're Anthony Lynn trying to keep your job next year, you hold on to a kicker that's losing you games. And he's already been the real main focus of one loss against the New Orleans Saints where he literally had a chance to win the team the game with a 50-yarder. But I would absolutely think that this weekend is going to play a big factor in that, and we'll see what happens. But let's go ahead and get into Joe from Jersey's calling in with this weekend's post-game reaction. Hey, guys. Joe, Joe from Jersey's giving you a call for uh, instant reaction after the game, and uh, you can probably hear it in my voice. Uh, very happy with the win. Uh, didn't think it would be that close uh, after the first quarter, but then knew the Chargers would probably have a little fallback, and sure enough, they did. But they held on. They won, and Justin Herbert just played another great game with three touchdown passes in a and a run for a touchdown also. Just he is the, the real deal, and I'm very appreciative watching the game of his game. Just just really solid all around, just just even better than solid. You know, explosive with his throws downfield and his runs. Just And he's playing smart. He's not throwing the, the rookie picks. He's, he's doing the right thing. My concern is, again, uh, the coaching staff, um, I think our team has is, is got talent. I don't know what you guys think, but I think we've got a talented roster. But we're either really playing really well or playing really awful. First quarter as an example, then the second quarter, and then the third quarter was kind of carried on with what we did in the second quarter. And uh, I didn't have a good feeling until after we got a turnover and our special teams wasn't playing well. And Badgley is a question mark also, although he did hit, hit the rest of those field goals. But he did miss an extra point, did miss a field goal. Um, you know, question marks about him. But um, I'm happy with the win. I'll take it. I know we're only two and four, but uh, I'm happy to see Justin Herbert continue to play better and better and better, and it's really a nice feeling to have. Um, What are your thoughts on our our, our team's roster and the talent level? Are they playing up to what they're supposed to be? Do you think the coaching could make them a little bit better that they wouldn't fall into these weird – uh, tumble sometimes where they just crash because sometimes they look so good sometimes they look just awful so I don't know what do you think take care go both so this is something that we've talked about a lot David and that is is this coaching staff essentially getting the most 
out of its players, right? So I do think that when you look at this, it's hard to kind of put in, you know, to quantify just because you know that so many players for the Chargers have gotten injured. So for Gus Bradley, you're missing, you know, Drew Tranquil and Derwin James and Chris Harris Jr., Melvin Ingram for a lot of the season. We saw how important he was on Sunday. And then Anthony Lynn, obviously, getting a new quarterback, having a team that's pretty young on that side, having injuries to Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, and your offensive lineman, probably most importantly. It's kind of hard to say because this team has been in a lot of games. They definitely go out there and play hard every time. But I don't think that we think they're getting necessarily the most out of their talent they have. Well, no, I mean, I, I think the fact that they're in and they've had many leads on most of these teams that they've lost to this season would indicate that I don't believe that the coaching staff is getting the most out of these players because, or at least not getting the most out of these players for a full 60-minute football game. It seems like they always start out well and then they can't finish the job at the end of it. So that would lead me to believe that I don't believe they're getting the most out of them. That might have turned with a, a good, a good, vi- you know, good victory over the Jaguars where you closed the game out. You know, if they can remember that feeling and carry that forward, then maybe that can change things and turn things around. But I have to, be- I have to see it again to believe that that is going to be a trend in the right direction. I also think another thing might be that people are kind of overvaluing how much talent the Chargers have at certain times, right? I mean, I think when you look at it and you look at the offense, who are the really talented players that have actually gotten accolades in the in the NFL? You know what I mean? If you're looking at the offense, I mean, Hunter Henry, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler has been out, obviously, the last couple of weeks, but... Mike Williams definitely has had 1,000-yard season, but it's not over-brimming with talent. The offensive line is not super talented, and the guys that they had that are considered that have been out with injuries. On the defensive side of the ball, you have more talent there. I mean, Nazir Adderley is still unproven talent. Jerry Tillery can't really be considered as talent right now just with his performances and his lack of consistency, especially physicality on the interior of that line. I mean, Limbaugh Joseph is definitely a talent. Joey Bosa is too, Melvin Ingram. And you also have Casey Hayward, who hasn't really played up to that. And then guys that have been injured, like Derwin James and Chris Harris Jr. So I think sometimes it's a mixture of people overrating how much talent this ha- this team has and seeing that play out in a game where you might be able to get away with some things when you have a lesser talented defense early on in the game and as the game goes on it's not going to last so I do think that all plays a part of it but I'd be lying if I said that I fully trusted this coaching staff to get the absolute most out of what they have and I think really that's the main point of this but we do have two more we do have another segment to get into Getting into this weekend's Denver game and much more. But first, I need to tell you guys that this episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the planet. And the thing I love most about Built Bar is you have a variety. There's so many flavors to choose from. There's 18 flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, peanut butter, banana bread, double chocolate, whatever you want, whatever flavors you like, they're going to have it. And unlike a lot of protein bars that I've had, these ones aren't chalky. They taste great. They're all 100% covered in chocolate and they're all soft and easy to chew. So you don't have to make a decision on whether you want to have something healthy or something that tastes good. You can have it all with BuiltBar.com. And we have a special offer for our listeners. You guys can get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. All you have to do is go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You can get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. 
All right, well, let's get into one of the most excited voicemails that we got over the week. This one is going to be Curtis Loki. Let's hear what he has for us after that win. Hey, guys, it's Curtis Loki. Man, I'm sure we're all pretty stoked about getting this win. Jeez, for a second there, I was just devastated. You know, like, oh, no. I think it was like 21 to 16. So I just want to talk about a couple things. One, uh, I'm loving what I see out of Limbaugh Joseph. Um, I really hope Melvin Ingram's not hurt. It looks like he hyperextended his knee there. Um, and then I just wanted to kind of talk, talk about the play calling. Like, it, it wasn't great. It was somewhat effective. Uh, I mean, it was effective enough to put up, I think it was like 39 points. But, man, dude, that was a – I don't know. Like, I mean, I do like how you guys had talked about all week. Like, get Joe Reed involved on the – I think it's called the end around. And, boom, he scores on the end around. And, uh, you know, we started throwing out of the, throwing out of the backfield more, getting both, uh, Justin Jackson and Kelly involved. That was pretty nice. Um, and yeah, and a couple times we're still running on first down, but there was a couple plays that we got, uh, where freaking we did a play action on first down. And that was really nice to see it just opposed to a regular run on the first and second. So that was nice, man. And then I got to speak on Justin Herbert, dude. That guy, man, this was one of those games where I was really questioning, like, would he be able to, if it was a close game all throughout the game, would he be able to do something like put the team on his back? Oh, my gosh, man. I was so wrong about him comparing him. I think I called him a, a more, a, a less accurate uh, Josh Allen, dude. So my apologies, Justin Herbert, if you're listening. Anyway, guys, I love the show. Look forward to hearing all the wonderful things you guys have to say about this win. Finally, a positive week. Go Bulls. <laughs> so I will just talk about, I mean, Joe Reed getting involved. That was awesome. When you don't have a running game, getting the running backs involved in the passing game, which we saw the Chargers commit to a little bit more this week, it turned into 10 catches for 67 yards. That is a good way to kind of displace your running game. You still have to run it traditionally sometimes, you know, but the part of this I really want to focus on, David, is just him apologizing and saying that he called Justin Herbert a less accurate version of Josh Allen. If that was on Twitter, I'm pretty sure I saw that somewhere because I remember thinking, oh, whoa, that's, that's a take. But that's not to say that, I mean, I was right about Justin Herbert. I was a big Tua guy. And I think at some point we've all had to kind of look back at our mistake of really just not seeing how good this guy could be. Well, and also I think we have to be fair to ourselves and 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 see and realize that this player that we're watching right now is completely different from the player that we evaluated in college and all the college tape that we watched on him. And also it's just a much different offense. Like the chargers have given him a lot more as evidenced in the news earlier in the show. They given him a lot more opportunities to throw the football and make decisions and go through reads on his own than he did or had the opportunity to do at Oregon. So I just think we're seeing a much different uh, version of Justin Herbert. Kudos to him and kudos to the chargers coaching staff to, you know, really improve on some of the things, the areas that we were worried about going into the process, the draft process, but Hey, Justin Herbert, performing extremely well and that's kudos to him for getting himself ready to really perform at a high level i will happily eat crow i mean i remember watching the draft and being upset when herbert was the pick i mean i was more upset when Tua was picked because i knew at that point we were going to get herbert but i mean i've never been more happy 
to be wrong. And obviously, it's still only five games, and you have to only be kind of cautiously optimistic. But there's a lot of takes that a lot of people wish they could take back. But it's better than being like PFF and staying on the bandwagon of you know Justin Herbert not being a good quarterback and having him rated lower than Daniel Jones. Because that's I just, just don't ridiculous. understand that man. That's just crazy. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. Daniel Jones has fumbled like 26 times in 23 career games or something. 26 so. times. Yeah, I mean, it was 18 and 16 games last year. I think that, that might have even just been how many he lost. I'm not even sure. But we have more voicemails to get into. So this is Josh from Wisconsin. Let's see what he asked for us this week. Hey, guys. This is uh, Josh from Wisconsin. I just wanted to see what you guys were thinking about this next week's game. I know you guys are doing like the crossover and you'll do the preview and all that, but I'm really excited. I'm nervous because I really don't want to lose to Melvin Gordon, um, but I'm really excited to see Melvin Gordon get hit. I hate Melvin Gordon. That might be a little harsh, but I've talked to a lot of fans on Twitter and all that, and I pretty much know how you guys feel about him, but I hate Melvin Gordon so much. I, I obviously hate the Broncos too. I'm more scared that we're going to lose to Melvin Gordon. If we lose to the Broncos, I'll be more upset that that we lost with without uh that we lost to Melvin Gordon than we did to the Broncos, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, let me know what you guys think about that. Uh about that for that. <laughs> so this is the similar one to Zach's other voicemail and I think this is something that we're all feeling a little bit. And I'll just start by saying that when Melvin Gordon held out, I understand it. I didn't agree with it. I understood it, but I didn't agree with it. I mean, but as a running back in this league, you're trying to go get your money. I get it. I just think he thought he was better than he was. And the Chargers offered him a $10 plus million contract for multiple years. So I think I was good with everything Melvin Gordon related, even with the holdout, everything. I was like, whatever. I was happy to see him gone because I thought that Austin Eckler was better. And I said that last year. And if you've listened, I've said it a couple times over the last few years that he's the better running back overall. But I think it was all the stuff that happened afterwards, David, the shots that he took at the fan base and just some other kind of pointed things that he said that really turned this fan base against him and made it so bad to really not want to lose to him on Sunday. Yeah, I totally understand that, but I think there's something a little bit more from the Mr. Josh from Wisconsin here because he's had to watch or hear about Melvin Gordon. He was so much good at Wisconsin. His whole man. life, though. No, but you got to remember, he's from Melvin Gordon's from right, Wisconsin for too. Sure. You would think so though that, that somebody from Wisconsin would be like the number one Melvin Gordon supporter. You you would think, but I mean, this guy has had to see, hear and hear and watch about him in high school. Hear and watch about him <laughs> in college. Hear and watch about him at, as a Charger and all the crazy antics that he did while he was there. And then, of course, all the stuff he has said after he has left and he's joined the Broncos and in division rivals. So I think there's just too many bl- blocks that have been stacked on top of each other for this situation, and it's boiling over right now. But yeah, I think nobody wants to to lose to Melvin Gordon and, and watching the tape. He's very much the same player as he was with the Chargers. There's not much that has changed. Still fumbling, still getting brought down pretty easily, and only has his few flashes of brilliance. If we lose to Melvin Gordon, it will be very painful. Absolutely. I mean, I think there are a lot of players on the Chargers defense that want to hit him hard, but I think there's a lot of players that still you know like him as well. And I'd be interested if Josh was doing this too because – 
you know, it's his guy, his guy, his guy, and then his guy publicly feuds with the organization and then leaves and then says bad stuff about your team. So I'm interested in that, but I definitely get it, Josh. I think a lot of people are feeling the same way. A lot of people want to see Melvin Gordon get smacked in the mouth. I hope for a couple of fumbles. That's all I hope for. Strip him a couple of times and the Chargers will be good to go. But we do have one more voicemail I want to get into. This is Alex from Peoria asking about asking us about a trade potentially. Hey, what's up, boys? It's Alex Reams calling in from Peoria. Um, a win is a win, so I'll take it. There was a lot of good from that game, followed by a lot of frustrating stuff that we regularly see. Um, two of the things that I wanted to point out, we have absolutely no push on the offensive line. And I'll be the first to admit, I got suckered into the fool's gold of those first two weeks. We looked like we were actually going to be able to be a running team. I don't know how much of that has to do with Eckler creating his own space and runs, but to me it just seems like anybody who runs against the Chargers on the flip side can just get five yards whenever they want, no matter what, no matter who's running it. And, again, this is a Jacksonville Jaguars team whose offensive line is not very good. And so it's very frustrating for us to see our guys, you know, trying to get one yard, and they just constantly get stuffed over and over again. So once we get, you know, Turner and Balaga back, I think we'll have a fair assessment to see if our offensive line can actually create holes for the running game. But – uh, I just saw a rumor that Quinnen Williams from the Jets is on the trade block. I think it's worth a shot to see what they would take for him because he is young. He's a foundational piece. I believe he was a top five pick. Uh, the kid was a beast in college. And, I, you know, he's on the Jets, so he's probably not playing his hardest. But I think it would be well worth it to get him. What do you guys think? So first let me just start by talking about what the Chargers have done in the trenches. And I'm sure you heard us talk about it yesterday when, I mean, that was part of my what went wrong is just not being able to do anything with your own running game and running backs. And then, you know, giving up what you gave up, David, you went over it with James Robinson, like how big of a day he ended up having. And I mean, I think Anthony once said they made him look like Earl Campbell at times on Sunday and sure did. They sure did. I mean, he was breaking a ton of tackles. Casey Hayward has a couple he wishes he could get back. But this brings up a really interesting question about Quinnen Williams because the feud in the New York Jets has continued to go. I mean, they've already got rid of Jamal Adams. They released Le'Veon Bell. And now one of my favorite prospects from a few years ago has become available. And this is a guy who is an absolute monstrous talent at Alabama, which when you're playing with Alabama defenders, it can be kind of hard to stand out, but that's not the case. He wants to know if Quinn and Williams should be a target for the Chargers. What do you think, David? I mean, obviously, on a pure talent standpoint, Quinn and Williams is a monster. And if you ask yourself the question, you know, with no variables involved, is he going to benefit and improve this Chargers defense? Absolutely. 100% he would improve this Chargers defensive line. But is this a move the Chargers make? Absolutely not. And Oh, they the, won't do it. What is it going to sure. take? Like, what is it going to take to get this guy too, Daniel? I mean, I don't think the Chargers would be willing to surrender what it would take to get a former first-round pick on the defensive line. It's just not a Chargers move. There's no way. I really am very curious as to what that package is going to look like because unlike Bill O'Brien with the Texans, I mean – in that Jamal Adams trade, they got two first-round picks, you know, for a safety. That's that's a pretty big, you know, package to, to put together right there. 
I mean, it, he, they're not just going to get, you know, swayed by a mid-round draft pick, you wouldn't think. But if you're the Chargers and you have a specific need, and that is getting pressure on the interior on a bad Jets team, Quentin Williams already has three sacks on the inside so far this season. So I think if you're the Chargers, you definitely have to kick the tires on that. And I mean, I would be willing to send, I mean, a third round pick for sure. I don't think that would get it done. I mean, a second round pick, probably I would. I mean, the Chargers have such big needs coming up and that's not their biggest need. They need offensive linemen. They're going to need a new corner soon. But I mean, a third of the next two years, I, I don't know. Quentin Williams was such a great prospect and it's so hard to, know how good he really is because he's been on the Jets. That's a trade I would absolutely love to see. And it's a trade that would make sense for the Chargers. You line him up right next to Limbaugh Joseph and see if you're still getting beat down in the trenches like you have been. I don't think that would be the case. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. Thank you to everyone for calling into the voicemail segment. Once again, if you guys want to get on the show, the number is 323-524-7924. And tomorrow we'll be back with you. And you know what tomorrow is. It's crossover Thursday. So we're going to be talking with Cody Rourke of the Locked On Broncos podcast. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On LAC and to like the Facebook page at Locked On Chargers as well as subscribe to us. Wherever you get your podcast from, you can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. Make sure to rate and review. We'd really appreciate it. And it's the easiest and fastest way to get the show to you. So make sure you guys do that if you don't already. We will be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.